This is the Top Entrepreneurs Podcast, where founders share how they started their companies and got filthy rich or crash and burn. Each episode features revenue numbers, customer counts, and other insider information that creates business news headlines. We went from a couple of hundred thousand dollars to 2.7 million. I had no money when I started the company. It was $160 million, which is the size of many IPOs. We're bootstrapped. We have like 22,000 customers. With over 5 million downloads in a very short amount of time, major outlets like Inc. are calling us the fastest growing business show on iTunes. I'm your host, Nathan Latka, and here's today's episode. Hello, everyone. My guest today is Nigel Shanahan. He set up Rant and Rave after a poor experience at a motorway service station. He believes consumer emotions drive their behavior and a company's revenue. He's on a mission to change the world of customer feedback from dull surveys to a conversation that customers want to have. Nigel, are you ready to take us to the top? I'm ready. All right. Rantandrave.com is the company name. What do you do and how do you make money? Well, Rant and Rave sort of does what it says on the tin, Nathan. Um, Customers are either normally ranting or they're raving. And when they're ranting, they're probably deciding in their own hearts whether they want to stay with the business. And if they're raving, they actually love the company and they end up trying to tell lots of other people about it. Uh, But most businesses, most brands aren't getting it right. And in my opinion, surveys are the antithesis of really what a consumer wants. They just want to get it off their chest in their own words, in their own feelings. Yeah. And what's your business model? Is it SaaS or? It's a SaaS business, Nathan. Yeah. Okay. Very good. And give me a sense of kind of the size of customers you're working with. Are these small companies? What do they pay you on average per month? Uh, Typically, we... um, our average order value annual is about 100,000 uh, okay. UK. Uh, and the sort of businesses we deal with are Barclays, Bank, Manchester United, uh, Harrods, Marks and Spencers, you know, DPD, the biggest uh, home delivery company in the UK, Premier Inn, you know, one of the biggest uh, hotel chains. How many are you so, working with total? How many customers? About 285. Oh, wow. Okay. So, I mean, you've built a pretty healthy customer base, uh, especially oh, yeah. at, that, about, about, at that level. I mean, if I do 285 times that average contract value, I mean, you guys are doing well north of what, 2.3 million a month? Oh, yeah. Or, or what is that? What's that come out to annually? About 28.5 annually? More than that, yeah. More, More than, than that. that. We don't tend to uh, disclose, but I understand you're an expert in trying <laughs> to find out what people. Hey, Nigel, is. don't give me don't <laughs> give me too much credit. We just started, and you might not like me very much by the end. All right, but that's fair. Um, look, and I do. I like getting numbers because it makes any other advice you give that much more credible, right? Because they know you walk the walk. So, tell me more yeah. about the backstory. When did you launch? Uh, well, we actually launched the company in 2000, but there was a management buyout in 2006. And that's when Rant and Rave came to me. I mean, I'd actually sat at a service station and our business was all about sending messages out on behalf of brands to customers. And I sat there at the service station thinking, we send all these messages out on behalf of brands to their consumers. We don't know what they're thinking and feeling when they're receiving um, the experience of not just receiving our messages, our voicemails and text messages and emails and all the things we did. But the whole thing about how do they really feel about the brand and the experience they're getting and what are they going to do in the future? And it just came to me that actually what's in the marketplace today is um, a a brand interrupting the flow of a customer's thoughts uh, and asking them, hey, you know, would you like to take a a survey? And then as soon as the customer says yes, 
they say, fantastic. These are the questions we want to ask you, which is, you know, to my mind, it's the wrong way around. So that's when we started. I didn't catch the first part. You said something about a 2000 man- or 2006 management buyout. Tell me that story. Yeah, t- yeah, so we had VC funding up from 2000 to 2006. Okay, for what company? The same one? It's the same company, and we've actually rebranded it Ransom Ray, but it was actually called Repeat Communication back in the day. But as as the feedback part of what we do became more prominent, that's when we rebranded. Okay, so Nigel, let me see if I can decode this accurately. 2000, a company launched. It grew and raised capital. How much, by the way? Uh, it was just over 2 million UK. Okay. They raised 2 million UK between 2000 and 2006. The VCs yeah. were going, eh, this thing's not growing like we thought. Uh, we should probably figure out a you know way to wind this down and get, maybe they already wrote it off, but you and maybe some other people on that first team saw an opportunity in this one piece of the product they built. You bought the VCs out probably at a discount, spun it out. And now you have a clean cap table in the new business. Is that accurate? You've got it. Yeah, wow, absolutely. that's a pretty damn good guess for not, not knowing uh, much. No, you got you got it smack on. I mean, essentially what happened, though, was that um, we were doing well. I mean, we were growing. We weren't growing at the rate a VC wanted us to grow yeah. at. Uh, and rant and rave the concept of the feedback part, I hadn't actually gone through it with the VC. So it was growing in my own mind. But I knew they were growing restless. And their restlessness was really about a relationship that we had with Vodafone. We were going out to the marketplace via Vodafone to Vodafone's enterprise customers. So the likes of Barclays Bank and Vodafone's enterprise customers. And we had a an offering that was branded, co-branded. So it was Vodafone Repeat back in the day. So all of our stuff we were doing was broadcast communications, mainly text messaging, all around sort of a journey, the lifetime journey of a customer. And it just came to me, the rant and rave concept. But I knew that the VCs weren't very comfortable at that stage. And I wanted to find out where their lack of comfort lay. And their lack of comfort lay in the fact that the Vodafone relationship wasn't going to go global. And that's what they invested in the business for. They wanted it to go beyond the UK. But Nigel, how, how were you involved, though, in the business before 2006? Did you just know the creators or you were, you were actually part no, of the I team? Founded it. No, oh, I founded the oh. business in 2000. I left IBM to find the business. We got business angel funding. And then beyond there, I got VC funding. And then 2006 initiated a management buyout and bought it back out. Now, how did you, so first off, this is a great story. I I hope you will talk about this because there are so many people that raise too much capital. And then two, three years after their last round, they realize this isn't going to turn into what the VCs want to turn into. And everyone feels stuck and they don't know how to get out. A management buyout is a beautiful way to get out. So can you tell us details? How did you negotiate this? Well, it was interesting because I was actually going to I was actually going to walk away from the business. I'd been diluted to such an extent that I actually thought I would restart. How little did you own? Rave. I was down to five percent. I was down to five percent in terms of dilution. It was all ratcheted based on not just financial performance, but certain objectives they'd laid in. And to be honest with you, I was incredibly naive back in the day. So I got down to 5%, me and my partner, because we actually set the business up together. That you each had 5% or together? No, we both had 5%. Okay. So yeah, in total, we had 10%. And what happened was prior to the 2006, they actually removed him from the business as well, which was a really difficult sort of thing to take. So suddenly I was out on my own and I went to Warwick Business School. I'm an alumni. I've got an MBA from Warwick, uh, Warwick Business School. I went to somebody who'd become my mentor and he said to me, don't set up another company. You know, don't let them force you out. Actually turn back and say you want to you, you talk to them about, you know, getting some cash out for them. 
And I, I just didn't know where how to do that. But he ran me through the entire script. So the negotiation, he had me on remote control. It was absolutely fantastic. So what did you end up paying to get that, that basically buy out the two million that they bought earlier? Just over a million. Okay, great. So you basically, I'm going to make this up, but you basically created 800, 900 grand in kind of value just with smart negotiation and it was clean. You cleaned up the cap table. Now you're on the new company. You got it. The reason that the, guys, just to be clear, I want to underscore this. The reason that Nigel had leverage here is because one, his other partner was out. He had very little left. The, the, the VCs knew that he had to run the company. If Nigel, if they're thinking, oh my gosh, Nigel's about to leave, they're more likely to do a deal with him. And that's partly, Nigel, I think what gave you the leverage to come in and say, I'll buy you out for, you know, a million bucks. 100%. Where did yeah. you get the million? Well, that was, I mean, I remortgaged my house on several occasions. I got friends, family, a bit from the bank. I got it from all sorts of different places. It was absolutely frightening. And what was the revenue at the time that you did the deal? Crikey. The revenue was, do you know, I can't actually remember, but it was something like, it was something like 1.4 million. Okay. My, I say that because were, were you able to use the historical P&L and balance sheet of the company to go to the bank to raise from them via the company and you yeah. personally guaranteed it? Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. That's how it happened. So smart. Yeah. Okay. Very good. And then um, did you, was it just you in 2006 or did you bring on like another co-founder at that point? No, it was just me. Just right. me. So what now I you're in a great was, position. Yeah, I mean, what we did is we actually used the relationship with Vodafone, which was sort of on the, was somewhat on the decline, really. I mean, other VCs wanted it to go into Vodafone South Africa and Vodafone Australia, et cetera, et cetera. We didn't think that was possible because Vodafone was just this collection of independent businesses with one logo behind it. It was really difficult to go do business. It was like a net new sale. So... I, I we pulled back and focused ourselves on the Vodafone UK uh, relationship. But what we actually managed to do was to pull away from the relationship and have Vodafone financially support the withdrawal. Uh, so we ended up trading. By the end of that year, we actually were trading independently with all the businesses. Um, di- sorry, directly with all the businesses that we actually prior to that had a relationship through Vodafone with. Okay, Top Tribe, many of you ask me all the time, how did I get my website up so fast, so quickly, and why is it doing so well? The answer is simple. I use HostGator.com to keep the thing cranking along. They've got a 45-day money-back guarantee, which is great. I used their free website builder to get the site up because it's ideal for WordPress. It's just what I use. They've got 4,500 templates and a free e-commerce plugin as well and 24-7 support, which we love, right? We love that. I bug the hell out of them. They always get back to me. So I've got you 30% off along with $100 in free AdWords credit. To grab it, just go to HostGator.com forward slash Nathan, but you got to do it now. Again, HostGator.com forward slash Nathan. Okay, now let's fast forward to today. What's team size? Uh, 105. Okay. And have you raised or have you bootstrapped it since the beginning? Bootstrapped since then. Wow. That's great. Okay. So outside of that first million, you're totally bootstrapped. Yeah. Okay. And what are you paying right now to acquire these new customers? Uh, so this is like cost of acquisition. Yeah. You're fully weighted CAC or whatever you look at, by the way, if that's not a metric you look at, tell it to me like how you look at it. 
it's not really what we look at. I mean, we're only actually just uh, really getting into the sort of the, you know, the big SaaS metrics. So we don't run with with CAC as a, as a metric. So I couldn't really tell you what it is that uh, I can tell you what the makeup of the team is to go and acquire businesses, but I, I couldn't tell you what the CAC is. How, what, how many people on your team right now are dedicated to sales and marketing? Okay. Yeah. So we've got uh, five heads in marketing. We've got uh, eight heads in new business sales. What is that like? Is that like onboarding or like account managers? They're, no, they are new business sales, enterprise sales guys. Okay. So yes. they're hunting it. Yeah. Yeah, they're hunting. And then to support them, we've got five people in a new business uh, telesales team. Got it. So five, five, and eight. So about 18 people from sales and, you know, closing the sale and maybe onboarding a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's healthy. And then what about once you sign them up? Do they stick around? What's your churn? We're at 95% retention rates at the moment. Logo so, on a logo um, basis or revenue? On both. Oh, that's that's really healthy. Have you reached yeah. net negative revenue churn yet? No. Okay, no. You, th- you think you will soon or no? Yeah, we're on the cusp of doing it. That's great. Um, so almost net negative. And then because you're bootstrapped, you've got to really manage your payback period in terms of whatever you're putting out to get these new customers. Do you look at that on a weekly or monthly basis or no, you don't look at payback period? We don't actually look at payback period. No. Okay. So how do you manage cash flow? Is it just kind of a monthly cycle? You look at the P&L and kind of go from there? Well, actually, I mean, we, from a cash flow point of view, we've always done, we've always done pretty well with cash. I mean, to the extent that actually we were, we found, we had a bit of a shakeup in our finance team about 18 months ago because we were running into situations where we really, we weren't just getting the money in on time. And as a result of that, um, we didn't have cash flow problems, but what we just found out is we just weren't, uh, we went, we went for an audit um, as we started to think about lining ourselves up for investment to do international growth and um and, and what we found were that we, you know our debtors ledger was just ridiculously high and that uh, we weren't getting the money in in um, smart enough fashion so as a result of getting that done um we've actually completely um we've we completely reshaped our finance team Got it. Now, have you kind of each month, are you spending anything on Google ads, Facebook ads, things like that? Any direct paid channels? We tend to focus a lot of our stuff on LinkedIn. So we've got a lot of focus. Our BD team really do. They've all got the um, sales navigator on LinkedIn and they do the premium stuff on but LinkedIn. But no like direct use. ads. A little, some, some direct ads, but it's really minuscule compared with all the other things we focus on. Okay. And about how many new customers <laughs> do you add per month, would you say? Uh, good question. About we're, we're probably running at about five new five, four to five each month. So yeah. not, not massive because it's a you know it's a significant enterprise sale each time we do it. Yeah, no, it makes sense. I'm trying to back into kind of a rough, fully weighted CAC. I mean, if you have 18 people and I assume let's assume a conservative low salary of call it maybe 60 grand a year, uh, that's five grand a month times 18 people. That's 90 grand a month, kind of on your sales and marketing team signing up four to five new clients. So you can kind of back into a CAC of around 18,000. <laughs> Very good. Yeah, I think I think that's about right. But what do you you get that paid back really quickly, right? Are people are, are people signing up for annual plans right off the bat? Yeah, I mean our typical deal 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 length is two years. Okay, got it. But but my point is, in terms of the actual cash hitting your bank, it, I see. You know what I mean? How's that? So yeah. so you told me already your average contract value is about a hundred grand in year one. But how's the cash work on that? 
Um, well, it's 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 billed in arrears, thirty days in arrears, subscription wise per month. I mean, we tend to have or the per- year, yeah, per month. Okay, got it. So if you spend eighteen grand to get them, and you're making you're, you're billing you know eight grand ish a month for hundred grand, you know for the full year. I mean, you're still. I mean, that's a healthy payback period under three months, and yeah. that works. Yeah, that's about it. Yeah, yeah, that's impressive. Okay, and then you soon you said lifetime value. You said is about two, that's the average contract value is two years. But do you have customers? I'm sure that have stayed with you for longer than that, right? What do you oh, assume? Yeah. What do you assume minimum well, lifetime value is? We're just working it out at the moment, but it's it's funny because we've got a mix of two businesses. Really, we've got a business that really isn't a SaaS business. It's actually a broadcast. It's a broadcast messaging business. It's more like a telecom software provider. Layered onto that is a SaaS business. So we've got sort of a, a mixed uh, business model. So some of the clients we've got, for example, um, you know, in the UK, we've had clients for over, for Barclays, we've had them for over 14 years as a client. Wow. wow. That's impressive. Okay. And where's the, where's the team based? Where are you guys all based? We're all based in Coventry. I mean, we've got a lot of people who work from home now, but our UK headquarters is Coventry. It's actually on the Warwick University Business Park as such. That's great. Last question here, Nigel. What are you growing at year over year in terms of revenue? On subscription, 35%. And you, you said on subscription. What are, are there other models there? Well, because we have a usage off the back of the subscription, and typically a pound worth of subscription buys in 30 pence worth of sort of usage, if you understand what I mean. I do. I do. And what we're, tr- what we're trying to do is actually meld those two business models together. And that's and for me, that's sort of the best way of doing it, saying every pound of subscription pulls in about 30 pence, 30 UK pence worth of, uh, of usage. Mm-hmm. Uh, interesting. That, that makes good sense. I mean, so just to get your growth right here. So back in December yeah. 2016, if you're growing 30% year over year, you were doing somewhere around 790-ish grand. And then again, you know, through, you know, grow that. Well, hold on. You said you grew 3x or 30%? 30, 35% oh. of subscription growth. Got it. 35%. Yeah. Okay. From so, last year. Yeah. yeah. So you were doing somewhere around like 1.7, 1.8 last year this time. Of monthly totally. and mon- monthly of revenue. Monthly. Yeah. Yeah. That would be about right. Yeah. 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 Great growth. Really healthy growth. Nigel, congrats. Let's wrap up here with the famous five. Number one, what's your, uh, what's the last business book you read? Uh, it's the four disciplines of execution. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying right now? Um, yeah, I, Tony Robbins. Number f- uh, three, what's your favorite online tool? Uh, crikey. Um, it's gotta be LinkedIn or that's a bit lame, isn't it? Really? Yeah, that's okay. I don't think you're lame. Number four, how many hours of sleep do you get every night? Jeez. Um, I'd, I'd love to say eight, but it's about six. Okay. And situation married, single, you have kids married with children. How many? Two children, 22 and 23. Oh, that's great. And <laughs> how old are you, Nigel? 51. 51. Last question. Take us back 31 years. What do you wish your 21 year, your 20 year old self knew? That people make the difference every which way and don't just don't trust everybody all of the time, you know, be really careful. There you guys have it from Nigel. People make the difference. He founded his company back in 2000, raised $2 million in venture capital, wasn't growing as fast as the VCs wanted. They essentially wrote him off, got rid of his co-founder. He was going to walk away. Then his best friend or one of his advisors said, Nigel, take it to him. Buy him out. He got a great deal, raised, mortgaged his house, raised some from friends and family, raised a million bucks, bought out the $2 million basically stake that the VCs had bought earlier on. Now the company's totally bootstrapped since 2006. They've got a team of 105 folks out there in the UK serving 285 customers 
or they're helping them more really uh, in a much better way gather customer feedback. The relationship there is much better the way he's tackling it. Again, doing about 1.7 million in monthly recurring revenue 12 months ago in December 2016, now doing about 2.3 million or north of 2.3 million per month for super healthy run rate. Economics have to work because he's bootstrapped. They're killing it. Nigel, thank you for taking us to the top. It's a pleasure, Nathan. Nice to speak <laughs> why do you, to you. Why do you laugh? No, just that because that was a roller coaster. <laughs> <laughs>